Hi, I'm Deacon Jared. This is a sermon I prepared for April 5th, the fifth Sunday of Lent. The fifth Sunday of Lent is the Sunday we remember St. Mary of Egypt. The reading for that day is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark. At that time, Jesus took his twelve disciples and began to tell them what was to happen to him, saying, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles, and they will mock him, and scourge him, and spit upon him, and kill him, and after three days he will rise. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to him and said to him, Teacher, we would that thou should do for us whatsoever we desire. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us to sit, one on thy right hand and one on thy left in thy glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you are asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink, or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am to be baptized? And they said to him, We are able. And Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink you will drink, and with the baptism with which I am baptized you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are supposed to rule over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great men exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be the servant of all. For the Son of Man came, for the Son of Man also came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. O Lord and Master of my life, give me not the spirit of sloth, meddling, lust for power, and idle talk, but grant unto me, thy servant, a spirit of integrity humility, patience, and love. Yea, O Lord and King, grant me to see my own faults, and not to judge my brother or sister. For blessed art thou unto the ages of ages. Amen. This is the prayer, attributed to St. Ephraim, that we Orthodox pray all of Lent. And today, on the last Sunday of Lent, we are offered two different stories, both about people who struggled with lust for power and idle talk who eventually learned humility and love. Let me begin with the story from our Gospel reading. In today's reading from St. Mark, Jesus tells his disciples, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him, and scourge him, and spit upon him, and kill him. And after three days he will rise. Now, as regularly happened, The disciples hear what they want to hear. Two weeks ago, Jesus began to teach these same things to the disciples, and we heard Peter rebuke his master, unable to accept that Jesus' path to glory led through suffering and death. Today we get to hear two disciples make the opposite mistake. James and John hear these same teachings and seem to miss the suffering and death part. They hear Jesus claim to be the Son of Man, the promised Messiah, and want to get some special reward for following him all the way. They figure they got in early, they were loyal, and they should end up in a special position. With this in mind, James and John approach Jesus and ask to be seated with him in his glory, one on your right hand and the other on your left. 
Interestingly, when Matthew tells this same story, he places the request in the mouth of their mother. St. John Chrysostom suggests that the request was theirs, and being ashamed, they put forward their mother. I like this suggestion that James and John kind of knew they shouldn't be asking this, but went ahead anyway, or at least they had their mom do it. Jesus doesn't say no right away, but being a good and patient teacher, he responds by asking if they can drink the cup that he will drink. This is their test. It's like he's asking, have you been listening? Have you heard what I'm telling you is just about to happen to me? Do you think you can do that with me? And they fail this test saying, sure we can, no problem. The cup of which he speaks, of course, is the cross. It's not that many days from now when Jesus will pray that his father would take this cup from him. We are told that anticipation of this cup makes his soul very sorrowful, even unto death. That which grieves the Son of God, James and John, take here very lightly. Jesus doesn't even really scold them. Maybe the request is just so over the top that Jesus just decides it's best to move on. Instead of scolding them for their pride, he in some way consoles them, telling them that they indeed will eventually drink the same cup, but it is not yet their time. To sit at my right hand and on my left is not mine to grant, he says, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. Of course, Jesus' glory is the cross, and the seats on his right and on his left will be taken by a pair of thieves. Neither James nor John are ready to drink of this cup. John will make it close, standing at the foot of the cross. James will flee and hide. Perhaps to assure us that James and John were not alone in their misunderstanding, that all of the disciples were equally foolhardy, Mark tells us that the disciples began to be greatly displeased with James and John. So if James and John are displaying lust for power, then here we have a clear display of idle talk among the disciples. It is not a pretty picture that is painted for us in this reading. So thank God the church has another story to tell us this morning. This story is the story of Father Zosimus and St. Mary of Egypt, quite simply one of the most compelling stories in the Orthodox Church. The story begins with Father Zosimus in a place not completely unlike that of James, John, and the other disciples. Father Zosimus has been living a life of a monastic since his youth, and he doesn't hesitate to tell people about it. His biographer, St. Sophronius, tells us that Zosimus used to relate how, as soon as he was taken from his mother's breast, he was handed over to the monastery, where he went through his training as an ascetic until he reached the age of 53. He would go around telling people this about himself. And more than that, we are told, he began to be tormented with the thought that he was perfect in everything and needed no instruction from anyone, saying to himself mentally, is there a monk on earth who can be of use to me and show me a kind of asceticism that I have not accomplished? Is there a man to be found in the desert who has surpassed me? Notice, his biographer is not telling us that he is accomplished. His biographer is telling us that Father Zosimus thinks that he is very accomplished. And he spends his time telling people about his accomplishments and thinking to himself about how perfect he is. But an angel is sent to set him straight and tells him that indeed there is a monastery near the river Jordan where Father Zosimus might learn a thing or two. And to his credit, Father Zosimus listened to the angel and headed off to find the monastery. It turned out that the monks at this new monastery were indeed proficient in both action and contemplation, and Father Zosimus was greatly inspired. When it came time for Lent, he learned the monks of this monastery spent their Lenten season alone in the wilderness. 
Their rule demanded that they take whatever they felt they might need for the journey and then spend their days alone in the wilderness. They were told that if they even caught sight of one another, they should move to a different part of the country. And then, when they would return, they were banned from talking about their experience. Their struggle was to be judged by God alone, and they were not to please men and fast before the eyes of all. Father Sophronius tells us that it was for this practice that Father Zosimus was sent to this particular monastery. See how it is so perfectly fit for Father Zosimus' shortcomings? His own desire for personal glory and idle talk were futile in this situation. And so, it is not surprising that Father Zosimus struggles with even this rule. We are told that in spite of the specific rule to speak to no one, Father Zosimus harbors in his heart a secret desire to find some father who might be living there and who might be able to satisfy his thirst and longing. And so he sets out looking for this ideal teacher. And after 20 days alone in the desert, Father Zosimus finds a woman living alone in the desert, old, naked, skin burnt dark. He does not know what to think of her, but when she greets him by name, he instantly recognizes her sanctity. He throws himself on the ground and begs for her blessing. He gives her his cloak, and the two begin to talk. Father Zosimus asks St. Mary to tell him her story. But where Father Zosimus has always been so quick to tell people his life story, St. Mary is humble and resists for quite some time. But she finally relents, and it is her story that truly humbles Father Zosimus. St. Mary had spent her early life as a true slave to sin. She would labor and beg alms in order to support her sinful lifestyle. On a whim, she fell in with a group of religious pilgrims heading to Jerusalem to celebrate the Feast of the Exaltation of the Precious and Life-Giving Cross. She joined their pilgrimage with the specific intention of leading the pilgrims into sin for her own amusement. And when they arrived at the destination, the pilgrims all went to enter the Church of the Holy Cross. It was there a mysterious force refused her entrance. At that moment, when she was told no, she found herself suddenly seized by a desire to see the true cross. Seeing an icon of the Mother of God hanging outside the church, she prayed in earnest for the first time in her life. She related to Father Zosimus, And so it was I saw the life-giving cross. I saw, too, the mysteries of God and how the Lord accepts repentance. Throwing myself on the ground, I worshipped that holy earth and kissed it with trembling. And then I came out of the church and went to her who had promised to be my security, to the place where I had sealed my vow. And bending my knees before the Virgin Mother of God, I addressed to her such words as these, O loving lady, thou hast shown me thy great love for all men. Glory to God who receives the repentance of sinners through thee. What more can I recollect or say, I who am sinful? It is time for me, O lady, to fulfill my vow according to thy witness. Now lead me by thy hand along the path of repentance. The Virgin Mary had instructed St. Mary to go and live beyond the Jordan, and here she had stayed for 47 years. As they spent time together, St. Mary continued to amaze Father Zosimus. She cited scripture even though she had never read it. She floated above the ground as she prayed. She knew the rules of Father Zosimus's monastery, even though she had never visited it. Father Zosimus considered it a strict rule that he and his fellow monks spend 40 days in the wilderness alone. St. Mary had lived alone in the desert for 47 years. As he finally departed, St. Mary made one request. On the following year, would Father Zosimus bring her communion? He agrees and does this the following year. 
and shortly thereafter, she dies. When Father Zosimus goes to bury her, he does not have tools with him and is unable. A desert lion comes and helps to dig the grave. Father Zosimus had lived a life of strict asceticism, but this unlearned laywoman proved herself worthy of becoming his teacher. In many details, St. Mary is described as having returned to the Edenic state. She's living naked in the wilderness, sustaining herself with fruits and herbs. As she leaves after their first meeting, St. Zosimus witnesses her speaking directly to the Lord. And when she passes away, it is a lion that comes to dig her grave. It is a lion that comes to dig her grave. Thus, we begin Lent with the story of a man and a woman, Adam and Eve, cast out of a garden because of their pride. And then we end Lent with the story of another man and woman, this time Saints Zosimus and Mary, showing us the path back to paradise, the path of repentance, repentance that teaches us humility and love. His Eminence, Metropolitan Joseph, has taken inspiration from the story of St. Mary of Egypt when thinking and writing about how we should deal with this coronavirus outbreak. Two of his recent letters remind us that these monks so long ago separated themselves from the Eucharist for all of Lent, leaving behind just a few clergy in the monastery to conduct the services. This is an exact image of what we are doing today, except we are not experienced ascetics. And so we need our crutches. We are praying together on Zoom and on Facebook Live. Experienced ascetics might be able to go into the desert and pray for days on end by themselves. But we need the help of the choirs and icons and candles and incense, and most of all of our communities. I've been really enjoying checking in with all of you and hearing about all the different services you've been able to attend when we get together for our weekly Zoom coffee hours. This is a great labor we are being called to take on, but we aren't the only ones being asked to go above and beyond the call of duty. We are all so grateful for the hard work that our nurses and doctors and other first responders are doing to combat this new and strange foe. But how about the workers at your local carryout restaurants, grocery stores, hardware stores, pharmacies, and delivery workers? Did any of them know that when they signed up, they would be one day serving on the front lines of what is likely the most defining battle of this decade? Please remember to be patient with them. Offer them a smile, or maybe a wink or a thumbs up if you're wearing a mask. And most of all, thank them for being there to provide you those essential services. Like Saints Mary and Zosimus, we find ourselves in a desert today. You might call it a social desert. And I am so proud of our little community here in Davenport, as, like Saint Mary, I watch you work to transform this strange new desert into a paradise. Earlier this Lent, and it seems like ages ago now, we helped a local friend pay his bills so his family's water wouldn't be shut off. This friend has since lost some of his work during the crisis. One of his jobs was at a sit-down restaurant that has been closed. But when I checked in, he repeated his gratitude and thinks he's in a good place. We've also raised money to buy water for Humility Homes and Services, who are currently seeing an increased need for their services. Additionally, their work has been made more complicated because they're unable to use their normal facilities with increased CDC and HUD requirements. And this show of love and support from our little community is very welcome in this difficult time. What a wonder it is to see fruit springing up in this desert. We have always been a community concerned with the care of our neighbors, but to see such an increased fervor from you in this time of increased trial is truly inspiring to me. Your love is actively transforming this desert into a paradise. We are told that after his experience with St. Mary in the desert, 
Father Zosimus returned to the monastery, instituted many of the reforms she had suggested, and is remembered today, of course, as St. Zosimus. And St. James and St. John may not have ended up at the right and left hand of Jesus on that terrible day, but they did ultimately follow their Lord. We are told that St. James spread the gospel as far as Spain before returning home to Jerusalem and to his own martyrdom. And St. John went on to write the fourth gospel and multiple epistles before he was ultimately exiled to die on the island of Patmos. Next week, our Lenten journey will be over and Holy Week will begin. Most of us will be physically standing in our homes, but our hearts will nonetheless arrive along with the other disciples in Bethany, just a couple miles from Jerusalem, at the gravesite of our Lord's beloved friend Lazarus. And with the cry of Lazarus come forth, Jesus will show himself as Lord and Master of all, even of death and Hades. May that same Lord and King grant us the humility, patience, and love we need to survive the coming weeks and months, and most of all, to help us not to judge our brothers and sisters. For he alone is blessed, unto the ages of ages. Amen. Amen.